Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. I cannot recall Palestinians, Muslims, Christians, and atheists being united under one goal. We have got that story plus occupational safety. But first, on this episode 447 of New World Next Week, AT&T in advance talks to combine HBO, CNN, Discovery, and other media assets. Grab this from ZeroHedge.com. AT&T is currently in advanced discussions to combine several media assets into a giant portfolio, which would include the beleaguered CNN and Discovery. This all according to the Wall Street Journal, citing people familiar with the matter. They're always saying stuff. The move would mark a major shift in strategy for the telecom giant. Also included would be several components of the company's Warner Media division, including the TBS, TNT, and Holman Garden TV cable channels, and other names in the media portfolio, such as HBO, which would constitute one of Hollywood's most valuable catalogs. As noted, the deal is said to be in advanced talks, with an agreement potentially coming pretty soon. Others have cautioned that this is not a done deal and talks could still, like lots of things, fall apart. Should it proceed, however, AT&T shareholders would own a large stake in the new entity. So that is AT&T. I'm pretty sure that's the same American telephone and telegraph company that let the National Security Agency siphon and make a copy of everything that passed through AT&T via what was called Room 641A. A curious employee named Mark Klein blew the whistle on this, uh, you know, just probably something about 20 years ago. It's funny, nobody seems to talk about AT&T spying on everything via room 641A, and I'm sure they don't even need 641A anymore. It's just all open and just public, James. You know, good callback. And that is one that uh, we should be bringing back to people's attention because, of course, there are a lot of people who have joined the conspiracy reality community recently and may not know this ancient information about what was known 15 years ago pre-Snowden from the insiders and whistleblowers that were coming out already at that time, letting people know about the pervasiveness of government spying on all electronic communications. We already knew this, but you were being gaslit by the mainstream media at the time, and perhaps there were people in the audience who were believing it at the time. Oh, that's crazy conspiracy theory, until Snowden came along and dominated the conversation, and people might have some vague sense of knowledge about PRISM or some sort of airy-fairy way of, oh, I think they somehow they were spying on us. We have specific information, the trunk lines of the internet going through room 641A, as Mark Klein uh, detailed back uh, back at that time, over 15 years ago. So yes, good callback. People should look into that because it does provide a window of insight on sort of the, the deeper level of the problem. I think everyone understands media consolidation is a problem. It's the six corporations, five corporations, depending on what list you're using in what year, that control 90 plus percent of what you read, see, and hear. Um, that we all know about, the, the conspiracy rock from Saturday Night Live from decades ago that, that documented this even at that time, talking about GE and its connections to ownership of the, the broadcast network that runs Saturday Night Live and other such things, which is why that got censored from the, the airwaves for a very long time. Um, people have a, an understanding this is not a good thing, probably if we limit it to just a few voices. But one of the reasons for that is because, of course, the entire part of point of this agenda is centralization of control. And if you have more and more of this media in fewer and fewer troughs, it is easier to form 
alliances like Room 641A, where the NSA comes in and says, okay, give us access to absolutely everything going through the trunk lines of the internet, please, and put it in this secret locked room that no one can go in and, you know, hush-hush about it, okay? Okay, and those kind of deals can and will take place when we put all of our eggs in a couple of baskets. And that's exactly why centralization is the problem and why decentralization is the solution. It is good to be reminded of that. So thank you for bringing up that blast from the past of conspiracy lore um, that people should know about um, to understand this at a deeper level. Um, once again, people can get their grasp on the media consolidation in different ways. And in, in fact, I just had the uh, one of the, this is the chart of the media ownership um, charts on my Solutions Watch on the Bicots episode recently. But I'm sh again, you can find that kind of information easily enough. Um, and as always, as I was stressing in the Bicots episode, I think the point is not only that we should be boycotting these mega media entertainment companies that now own pr pretty much everything you're going to see from the mainstream, but we should also be supporting independent media creators, truth music and otherwise, um, rather than these big corporations that are, as I say, centralizing the power and control in fewer and fewer hands. One of the things that initially really turned me on to his work a couple of decades ago, Jello Biafra of the Dead Kennedys used to talk about the dangers of media monopolies. That's before, of course, he you know, wore a muzzle and told me to vote for the New World Order. James, I was trying to think of it. I'm pretty sure DC Comics, the only way I think I actually give AT&T any, any regular monthly money. I'm sure DC Comics will continue to suffer under this giant media merger as well. Also, I imagine folks could bet their sweet bippy that that story is just the sort of thing that a media monolith won't talk about. Our next story. Palestinians stage historic strike over Israeli abuses and Gaza bombing. We grab this story from MiddleEastEye.net. And again, everything we say and talk about always included and linked up down in your show notes. The stone streets of Jerusalem's old city are silent. Shutters with peeling paint are firmly rolled down. In Haifa, Jewish cafes are serving coffee. Beside them, Palestinian-run businesses have their lights turned off. Across Israel, the clanking, sawing, and drilling sounds from construction sites have disappeared. There are no Palestinian laborers manning the scaffolds now. Millions of Palestinians have gone on strike. In Israel, occupied East Jerusalem and the West Bank, Palestinians have downed their tools or stayed away from their desks. In just the latest example of pan-Palestinian solidarity following days, now, if not weeks, of Israeli crackdowns, and let's not forget, of course, ferocious bombing, murdering civilians in Gaza. I cannot recall, for years, Palestinians of all backgrounds, factions, Muslims, Christians, and atheists, being united under one goal, Inas Abad, a political science researcher and activist from East Jerusalem, told the Middle East Eye, this is the first time since the Second Intifada that Palestinian parties together with all Palestinians of the occupied territories of 1948, have issued a joint statement and a unified call for a strike. James, I think in the rage world of not only mainstream media, but alternative media as well. Remember, they want us to hate people, people that are pretty much just like us. I think a bunch of it is, man, they want us to hate ourselves. And so much of this ties in, of course, with the scamdemic. They want you to not trust your you know, genetic intuition or your own experiences in health. 
they want us to hate ourselves and basically go seek shelter and run for comfort in the collectivist hive borg instead of doing what we maybe should do and hate the state. Now, of course, that doesn't mean get violent and try to throw down this because, of course, that's what the state would love for you to do. They get really sad when we ignore the state and try to build our own decentralized alternatives and, you know, like, love each other. Right, Brother James? Indeed, that's exactly right. Solidarity, Palestinian solidarity is the key to this story, and it is something that should not be uh, taken lightly. This is an important step. Um, And if you need more on that, I'll direct you to uh, Philip Weiss's site, Mondo Weiss, which has been doing excellent coverage of this issue. They just had a post up from Yumna Patel reporting from Bethlehem about the uh, the strike that's going on there, as well as elsewhere in Israel and, of course, in occupied Palestine, um, noting that general strikes in Palestine are not a new form of resistance to Israeli oppression. They've been used for over the decades to put economic pressure on Israel, as a huge portion of the labor force in Israel relies on Palestinian citizens of Israel, Palestinians in Jerusalem, and day laborers from the West Bank, and have always drawn widespread support from Palestinians living across the region. In recent years, however, while still used frequently as a tool of resistance, strikes have become more localized within separate geographic locations, like in Gaza, the West Bank, etc. What's being marked as historic about Tuesday's strike is the collective participation of Palestinians across all of historic Palestine, particularly the participation of Palestinian citizens of Israel. And once again, to underline the importance of this, uh, again, from uh, MondeWeiss.net, Uh, The Spirit of 1936, in which uh, David Joseph Deutsch points out that this could be an important historic moment that we have not seen the likes of since the Great Revolt of 1936 to 1939. And in that article, he notes that Israelis' greatest strength is their ability to manage the Palestinian people. They've allowed for the sporadic releases of pressure without having it spill over into a full-scale rebellion since the end of the Second Intifada in 2005. Over the past 20 years, the Israelis have allowed the Palestinians to become absorbed in the dreams of a Palestinian state, to become disillusioned, to become divided, and ultimately to, to become despondent. Currently at a historic low, most young Palestinians have limited hope for a future with genuine autonomy. In this regard, the Israeli ability to manage has thus been too successful. For a people to be properly controlled, there must at least be a carrot to offer. And with the land largely taken, an impotent and corrupt Palestinian authority, and little hope for a brighter day, Israel has managed itself into a potential revolt. So there is a change that is happening. There is something different about what is happening right now. And that is reflected in what you said to lead into this segment, actually, talking about the media ignoring this story or or obviously misreporting it in a number of ways. But, of course, the media is explicitly being targeted in this particular invasion. We, of course, saw the strike on what is largely called the AP offices in Gaza, but also housed a number of other media institutions, including Al Jazeera. And as Ryan Christian has been pointing out in his great ongoing coverage of this uh, this event, uh, even BBC was in there, although they apparently don't want to tell you that or they don't want to report on it. But it is at least making waves. And uh, for example, you get Reporters Without Borders. RSF asks ICC, i.e. the International Criminal Court prosecutor, to say whether Israeli airstrikes on media in Gaza constitute war crimes. So at the very, very least, um, the media out of its own self-interest may take a little bit of interest in what's going on there. And uh, 
another example of that, even Guardian News is running on their YouTube channel. Journalist reports live from Gaza as neighboring building hit by Israel airstrike. And it shows the reporter reporting as an airstrike happens. And she's, oh, we got to get down now. We're turning towards the building. And you see the, the smoke rising and everything. And all of the comments are like, this is a real reporter. This is this is the news we need. Why are we being fed crap about celebrities? Why don't we have more of this? So again, even if only from self-interest, the media is more motivated to report on this. And I think this goes back to, if I remember correctly, when we did our coverage of Operation Protective Edge back in 2014, we were noting there was more uh, reporting going on of the atrocities that were taking place, the killing of the children on the beach and other such things, which probably would not have been reported on in previous eras, are starting to be reported on now. There is the sense that uh, the floodgates are opening and the tide is turning, and that's related to the Human Rights Watch recent um, labeling of Israel as an apartheid state, which is becoming more mainstream. Uh, again, MondaWeiss.net, taboo on saying apartheid is suddenly over in the U.S. mainstream. And then thanks to AOC, Bush, Oliver, Reed, Velshi, which just gives you a sense, the gates are open. Um, people can now call Israel for what it is, an apartheid state, and can start putting the pressure on it. Um, to to get that changed. And part of that is this Palestinian solidarity that seems to be coming together right now. The question is, can this be maintained? Or will they put this put put the damper back on it? Okay, you've had your revolt. Okay, we're we're laying back. That you know, we'll see how that plays out. If people want sort of the background to understand what this looks like, what this feels like, there's an excellent little hour and a half documentary called Killing Gaza. Um, which is a few years old now. It's from, it was being recorded in that 2014 strikes on Gaza. Um, but uh, it was released a few years ago for, I think it was $3 on Vimeo to watch it or something. It has just been released for free. So you can now watch the whole thing in its entirety. I suggest you do. It gives you that other side of the story that to this day, you still, of course, will not get in the MSM in the West, the actual, the Palestinian side of that story, uh, people in Gaza being shelled and what that is like for these families. It is a devastating watch, but it is worth watching. So I think there is something happening here, and it goes back to that thing that you're underlining, the solidarity. We we make the, we build up this system. And in Israel, that means Palestinian laborers working in Israel uh, help to build up that system. And if they lay down their tools and say, no, we will not work for your system anymore, the system has to change. And I hope this is the start of that, that movement. <laughs> I'm not sure if I was on screen a few minutes ago when you said the gates are open. Ah, it is a rich tapestry, James, because it's also open season on Dr. Gates. It is open season to tear this guy down. I wonder if it's because his job is over and he's so hated now that he can't really effectively do the thing he was rolled out to do. Really kind of interesting stuff. Uh, on some maybe more esoteric notes, James, I was talking in the media monarchy kingdom that these attacks basically came exactly around a new moon, which means it's very dark outside. And what do you know? The anniversary of Israel's founding. It seems to really hit oftentimes these, again, just magic kind of esoteric dates. And also the, other, the Netanyahu government running into its own electoral troubles and political troubles. Just conveniently, this comes along at that exact moment. There you go. They need to wag the dog a little bit. Uh, other bit of gallows humor we joked about in the media monarchy kingdom about the BBC and the Gaza Tower. They actually reported it 20 minutes before it was hit. 
for anybody who gets the Jane Stanley Building 7 9-11 joke. Uh, I mean, again, there are Jewish people, Hasidic and otherwise, very much against their apartheid state, just as the Palestinians are. And again, mainstream media, much like Charles Barkley noted recently, is their job is to divide America. Black versus white, left, it's all of that. And that's when they win. Uh, speaking of the two-party illusion in other completely unrelated news, uh, Vice President Peace Prize is selling weapons to occupied Palestine. Biden okay sale of $735 million worth of missiles to Israel, including the exact same types that were used to blow up the Associated Press, BBC, and Al Jazeera. I'll include not one, but three links to that story. I mean, sure, Democracy dies in darkness, but sometimes democracy sells missiles to blow up news media, I guess. <sighs> Suffering from outrage fatigue? Want some not unmitigated good news for this third and final story on your New World Next Week, episode 447, James? Pretty interesting. OSHA tells employers they may be liable for adverse reactions over vax mandate. We grab this from my buddy Chris's informationliberation.com, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA. If you've had a job in America the last 50 years, you've seen the poster in the break room that tells you essentially your rights to breaks, etc., and to, of course, report unsafe conditions to your bosses that they try to get you to overlook. That OSHA is informing employers that it's possible they could be held liable for any adverse reactions if they mandate employees take COVID-19 vaccines as a condition of their employment. OSHA released new guidance on April 20th under a frequently asked questions section of their website having to do with COVID-19 safety compliance. The question asks whether an employer who mandates employees receive these experimental COVID-19 shots is required to record any adverse events as a result of these injections. Such recording requirements of serious work-related injuries and illness may not only leave an employer vulnerable to workers' compensation claims, but such incidents could also impact the employer's safety record. The full question and answer, quote, if I require my employees to take the COVID-19 vaccine as a condition of their employment, are adverse reactions to the vaccine recordable? If you require your employees to be vaccinated as a condition of employment, i.e. for work-related reasons, then any adverse reaction to the COVID-19 vaccine is work-related. The adverse reaction is recordable if it is a new case under 29 CFR 1904 6 and meets one or more of the general recording criteria in 29 CFR 1904.7. OSHA has a disclaimer at the bottom of their frequently asked questions. This is probably the thing that would, of course, get us labeled as fake news, or they'd say the claim is partially true. OSHA has a disclaimer at the bottom of their facts stating that their guidance is not a standard or regulation and it creates no new legal obligations. The recommendations are advisory in nature, informational in content, and are intended to assist employers in providing a safe and healthful workplace. But the notion that employers could require their employees to get experimental shots at all is fairly outrageous. We will include the other links. Employers may be liable for any adverse reaction from mandated coronavirus shots. I've even got a link to a PDF poster from OSHA, Job Safety and Health. It's the law. Meanwhile, 
the threats, James, I think kind of keep growing along with their desperation. All the things, oh, get donuts and beer and crawfish if you take this experimental shot. World Economic Forum says get your COVID-19 jab or you could face consequences from your employer. The World Economic Forum tweeted that threat. And then, of course, like most spineless, you know, tyrannical leaders, they, of course, immediately delete that tweet. Get your COVID-19 jab or you could face consequences from your employer. The World Economic Forum tweeted and, of course, deleted after the backlash. Biden issued a similar threat when he stated that, quote, those who are not vaccinated will end up paying the price, end quote. That is also that same Biden that in other news, I love to mention this one, James, it just cracks me up. Biden administration seizes Texas land for border wall construction. Send that Washington Post article to your last friend left. James, been thinking about this a bunch. I really don't know how I would I can ask you the same thing. How would we be dealing with this if we knew what we knew, but also still lived and worked in the normie world? It's quite possible I would be panicking and thinking, man, I really, I really should have tried to go full time on my passion thing sooner. Let me put it in a dumb media analogy. I was thinking about this recently. Remember the scene in Fight Club where they asked the dude what he wanted to be? The Raymond K. Hessel motivation scene. If we come back and you're not on your way to being a veterinarian, we're going to kill you. I know it's crazy, but that's kind of what COVID is doing to us. Even though COVID might be as fake and imaginary as Tyler Durden, I think this has been what I've kind of been somewhat relieved about, James. That maybe, again, thankfully for ourselves, but that hopefully lots of other people Use this Christ-attunity as a chance to do what you have always wanted to do, because they ain't going to let you go back to the normal stupid crap anyway. James, that is my good news media analogy, a violent, threatening scene from a weird Hollywood movie. <laughs> it makes sense, and I think that lines up with what a lot of people have observed about the entire past year and the lockdown craziness and all of this, as you get you know locked down with your literal your family and you can't go outside of your little family pod and whatever yeah a lot of people are starting to think about their life decisions and have i have i really put my priorities and emphasis in the right place or have i been treating things frivolously so it certainly is a moment to really take stock of where you are and where where you wanted to be how prepared are you for that this is at least a good opportunity to prepare for the great reset that's coming and how prepared are you? And can you survive? And all of this stuff. And yeah, obviously, would have been great if we'd all been answering these kinds of questions a decade ago or two decades ago or whatever. But hey, well, whatever. We're here now. So we better start answering it. On the OSHA story, I mean, isn't that just a reflection of how far we have entered into clown world? That the obvious, the, the self-evident idea that yes if your employer mandates a medical intervention your employer is responsible for the adverse events that happen as a result of that medical intervention the fact that osha would would not exactly come out and say that but more or less say yeah you might be responsible for that the fact that they would even do that and that would be newsworthy I mean, that's a sign we're in clown world. Of course, of course, if an employer is mandating a medical intervention on its employees, you are responsible for what happens as a result of that experimental medical intervention, right? Yes, of course. Um, unfortunately, as you say, with the disclaimer and the asterisk there on the uh, on the FAQ, uh, they're 
they have a big out that they can drive a Mack truck through. And we'll see. We'll, I mean, again, we'll see if and when any employer actually gets successfully sued for that. Um, but I hope it does. I hope this happens. And I hope people push this because absolutely an employer, employer who is putting people's jobs on the line and saying, you take this or you are out the door. That means you are responsible for the health of that employee. And I hope, I hope the CEOs out there know exactly what kind of legal predicament they are putting themselves in, let alone, oh yeah, tinkering with the health of the population. I mean, that's secondary. It's an economic thing, right? Well, at any rate, if we hit them in the pocketbook, that might be a way, one way to de- derail this agenda. Maybe that's why they're all selling all their stock and heading out to their bunkers in places. James, in closing, I will remind folks we've been using my American post office box for folks who want to support Corbett or Monarchy and don't do the digital money PayPal sort of thing. My post office box, you can find all that information again down in the show notes. Just want to kind of remind folks at this point, it needs to be in U.S. dollars only as I am in America. Also, please include an email if you expect us to email you. And also, basically, an annual subscription membership to Media Monarchy or Corbett Report at the very lowest level of a buck a month would indeed be at least $12. Also, the other thing, James, I've got them all prepped behind me. Please be patient as we didn't really have a plan before actually announcing this thing for the P.O. Box last August. So here's just an example of how much mail I've been dealing with since last August. I mean, people are sending 10-sided die for role-playing games. And, of course, also some Desert Storm cards that I'm very excited to get into. Oh, wait, that's not all. I have a second giant box of media where people have written books. People have written things about the red pill solution. Those are the things that aren't the financial support that the Corbett and monarchy kingdoms like. I, of course, love media, but that's a little bit what's piling things up. So, again, we super appreciate it. It's been an amazing new avenue to get all kinds of folks Again, never could have been supporters of New World Next Week. And they joke sometimes in the letters, ah, thanks for doing this for the for the old people, for the Luddites. It's fantastic. I, I love it. But again, just sort of throwing out the call for maybe, you know, a little clarity. Make sure you write your email in a legible fashion so I don't misspell it when I send it over to James splitting the money. <sighs> But, of course, in conclusion, I do stream news, music, memes, and more Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 Mountain Time at MediaMonarchy.com. I am also the exclusive first-run source for your New World Next Week audio. Before the video goes up anywhere, I play the audio on Thursday mornings immediately following my Morning Monarchy news talk show. James, I think that's all my business. Excellent. Well, yes, and let's let's say thank you to the people who support this. We do not sell snake oil. We don't have advertising. We are 100% listener supported. So thank you guys out there for supporting this work, and we're going to keep doing it week after week. So looking forward to next week. James, thanks again. Thanks so much, buddy. Take care.